At home in my personal devotional time, I've been reading through Matthew's chapter 5 through 7. This is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. I hope to share a series of messages on the Sermon on the Mount because those words are wonderful and full of wisdom. And I think they have blessed billions of people around the world over the 2,000 years since Jesus shared them with us. So that's going to be a good message. It'll probably start in about a month. But today, the title of my message is The Sermon on the Amount. And you can probably guess the subject of the message from the title. It's a sermon to answer question people often ask me. How much money should I give to the church? Money is a sensitive subject, especially when a preacher is the one talking about money. But I hope that you will listen closely to what God might say to you today. Jesus talked about money quite a lot because he understood that how people handle their money is one of the main things that reveals the inferred unseen state of their souls. Since Jesus cares deeply about us, he cares deeply about how we handle money and we should too. In the Old Testament, the guideline for giving was called the tithe. A tithe is a tenth of a person's income. Originally, it would have been of a harvest that they had brought in from the field because they lived in an agricultural society. And they did most, mostly they bartered and traded for their goods and services. Money did not come into the picture until later and only gradually so. But a tithe is a 10% of a person's income, whether it would be in products or produce or in actual money. And the tradition of giving 10% of your income goes all the way back to the patriarch Abraham in Genesis chapter 14. Abraham gave God 10% of his assets. He had had his camp raided by an enemy army and while Abraham was away, and they had taken his wife and his children and the wives and children of all of those who belonged to the camp. And along with the herds and the flocks and the, the money that was there in the camp, they'd taken it all. And Abraham chased after the army. Now, Abraham's party was a much smaller group. There was no way that they could defeat the larger army on their own. But they were able to defeat the army that raided their camp because God was with them. And Abraham knew that it was God who gave him the victory in the battle. And a tithe, giving a tithe, was a way for Abraham to acknowledge that God gave the victory and to thank God for the victory. So he gave God 10% of everything that he reclaimed from the army that had raided his camp. And that was the event that established the precedence of giving 10% or a tithe. Abraham's grandson Jacob also practiced tithing. God promised in a dream to bless, a, to bless Jacob with land and many descendants. And in gratitude, Jacob promised in Genesis 8, uh, 28, 22, I will give God a tenth of everything he gives me. 
And so the tithe became the standard of giving throughout the Old Testament. It was codified as part of Jewish religious law. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, belong to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. And then again in verse 32, it says, The Lord also owns every tenth animal counted off from your herds and flocks. They are set apart to him as holy. Besides being a way to show gratitude to God, the tithe was also used to support people who had no other means of support. Priests, refugees, widows, orphans. See Deuteronomy 14, 28, 29. And the Bible says the practice of tithing also taught people to trust and to revere God. See Deuteronomy 14, 23. Tithing continued in the New Testament and is still the standard for giving in the church today what people give. The minimum standard is 10%. So if the question is, how much money should I give to the church? Many Christians would answer 10% of your income. So for example, a person who earns $50,000 a year would give $5,000 per year to the church or about $96 per week. Now, I could spend the next 10 minutes trying to convince you why you should give a full tithe to the church. I could quote Bible verses and I could speak of my own personal experience with tithing and what a blessing it's been. And it would be a very challenging message because most people in the church don't give a full tithe and it's not necessarily easy to give a tithe, to give 10% of your income. But the truth is, that message would not be challenging enough. God has a greater challenge than just to challenge you to start giving 10% of your income in the offering at church every week. So I want to read to you from the Gospel of Mark, and this is chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched as crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the temple in Jesus' day, the collection boxes kind of looked like a trumpet on top of a box. The horn was made of brass. So as you dropped coins into it, the metal coins would rattle down the brass horn as they went into the box. And back then, remember that all money was coins. There was no paper money at this time. So people entered into the temple and it was all designed to show off how much money people gave. And by implication, how wealthy the people who gave were. 
You can imagine the scene. Maybe one person drops in a, a small bag of coins into the collection box, and you can hear the sound of numerous coins rattling down in the horn. And everybody that's standing around hears it and thinks, hmm, that's a good amount. They've given a modest offering. But then a wealthier person comes in, and maybe they are carrying in a large bag of coins. Maybe they're carrying in more, multiple bags of coins. And as they pour the coins into the horn, it makes a, a longer, louder sound as the coins rattle in. And it maybe takes um, 60 seconds, maybe even more than a minute for them to deposit all of their coins. And you can hear, can you, can you imagine the sound of the coins rattling down into the offering box as they do that? And of course, people who are standing around hear all of this commotion and they think, wow, now that's a family with some money. And of course, the family that dropped the money in can stand a little bit taller and be a little bit proud of their wealth and the fact that everybody respects them. And the Bible says that Jesus was sitting near the collection box. He was watching people drop in their money. And that's an interesting thought. Jesus was interested in what people did with their money. In our day, we're very private about what we give as charitable offerings or what we give to the church. And we're very careful here at my church, at Pleasant Grove Methodist, to keep everyone's financial contributions confidential. There's only two people in this whole church that know specifically what the people of this church give. And we keep that information very confidential because we understand that it is sensitive. But Jesus knows what you give. Jesus knows not only what you give, but what you can give and why you give or why you don't give. Jesus knows not only that, Jesus knows everything that's in your heart. And just as Jesus watched the crowds that were giving their money in the temple that day, Jesus watches as people give in the church today. Now, Jesus wasn't impressed by all the rich people giving their money. He knew most of them at the temple that day had so much extra that they could give and it didn't, it didn't hurt. They had enough that it, it didn't maybe even feel, they didn't miss what they had given. And it might sound impressive to hear such a loud clanging as a sack full of money rattled down into the collection box, but Jesus knew it was money a rich man would never miss. He knew their hearts. And maybe Jesus wasn't impressed because he knew that the richest givers cared more about what people thought about them than about what God thought. Maybe he knew that the richest givers really didn't care at all about the poor or the needy or even the, the, the glory of the kingdom of God or hoping that his kingdom would spread across the earth. Maybe Jesus knew 
but they just wanted to be admired and looked up to and respected for their wealth. Jesus knew their hearts. And then the poor widow came to the collection box and she dropped in two small coins, what, what we might think of as just a couple of pennies. You know, pennies not worth hardly anything today. A lot of people wouldn't even bother themselves to stoop down and pick up a penny off the ground if they saw it while they were out walking. There's been talk for quite a while now from the U.S. Treasury of whether we even need pennies anymore and maybe even doing away with pennies because it costs more to manufacture a penny than it is actually worth. But this widow dropped in these two insignificant coins and yet Jesus admired her because he knew it was all she had to live on. And Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than everyone else. They only gave a tiny part of their great income, but she gave everything she had to live on, even though she is very poor. Now, the law only required 10%. 10%. But the widow gave everything she had. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. God already owns everything. He's the only person who can truly say that they are independently wealthy. God doesn't need your money. And God certainly doesn't need this poor widow's money. He doesn't need anyone's money. He is, already has everything he needs. And he already owns it all anyway. But the widow's gift is remarkable because it shows that she is content with her life the way it is. And she figures she can live just fine without those two pennies. She believes that God is going to take care of her. And she has incredible faith. She trusted God rather than her money. And she already gave God what he wanted most of all. Her heart. It is far better to give someone your heart than your money. You're, how much better off would we all be if we understood this principle? It is better to give your heart than your money. How many marriages have deteriorated because husbands do not hear the silent yearnings of the wife when she says, I don't want your money. I want you. How many parents have lost their children because they failed to interpret the signs? I don't want your presence, mommy and daddy. I want you. But too often, we try to buy people off, but no amount of money can substitute for your heart. The biblical standard for financial giving is 10%. 10% is the minimum. It's not, it's not the goal. And most don't even make it to the minimum. That's why we think of 10%. Oh, if I could just get to 10%, now I've arrived. But that's not the goal. That's the starting point. 
But unfortunately, according to a national survey by the Barna Group, Christians in America only give, on average, about 2.2% of their income to the church. Why do we have so little faith? Do we not trust God that he will give us what we need? He will take care of us and therefore we can be obedient and give the minimum of what he asks? Now, some people may feel proud because they do give a full tithe of their income. They are true tithers who give 10%. They are giving at least 8% more than most other Christians. They may feel like they've done their duty. They, they don't need to be challenged to go beyond. Look at me. I'm a tither, they think to themselves. Well, whether you do or you don't tithe, don't miss the heart of Christ's gospel. In Jesus Christ, God says, I don't want your money. I want you. You know, in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say anything about giving God 10%. It says, no, you will have everlasting life and that everlasting life will be spent with God for eternity. He doesn't want 10% of you. He wants all of you for all time. He did it because he wants you. He came in the flesh as Jesus Christ on earth and he Although he was perfect and holy and sinless, he humbled himself and became a slave and even died a criminal's death on a cross. Not because he deserved it, but because you deserved it. He did it for you. He took your place. He gave himself completely, even to the point of death. And he was buried in a tomb. But then he rose on the third day so that you too can rise to eternal life. So that not 10% of you can arise, not 50% of you can arise, but all of you can rise and you can be redeemed and you can be with God forever and ever. You see, God doesn't want your money. He wants you. And what's more, Jesus didn't just come to save you. He came to save the whole world. And he appointed the church to be his body to carry out his mission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all my commandments. We, the church, are nothing less than the body of Christ. His mission has become our mission. His passion has become our passion. What an awesome responsibility. What an incredible honor to spend ourselves and all that we have and all that we are for the souls of our brothers and sisters here in Whitfield County in the state of Georgia 
in the United States and to the ends of the earth. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament understood the full ramifications of this. He said in all sincerity, I will gladly spend myself and all that I have for your spiritual good. That is the attitude that I pray that all Christians will have. How far are we willing to go for the spiritual good of the person sitting next to us? Let alone the person that we've not even yet met, who maybe lives on the other side of the world and looks very different and sounds very different from us. And yet God has called us to labor for the good of their soul. Are we willing to expend ourselves and all that we have for the mission that Christ has given to us? You see... The real question is not, what amount of money should I give to the church? In light of our purpose as Christians and the tremendous need around our world, the question is, how much dare I spend on myself? The question is not, can I afford to give 10% of my income to the church? The question is, can I justify the lifestyle that consumes 90% of my income? We live in one of the most prosperous nations in the world here in America. And we've done a lot of good to help others. But has it been enough? Have we done all that we could do with the vast wealth that God has given us? Have I done all that I can do with the wealth God has given me? A lot of people would say that the problem with the world today and that the problem with the church today is that only 2% of Christians actually tithe. I disagree. I disagree. The problem isn't whether or not we tithe. The problem is... We haven't followed the example of the widow. We haven't given everything to God. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for giving yourself completely and totally to us in Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us on the cross not because he deserved it, but because we did. He gave his life because we should be the ones up on the cross, but he gave his life so that we didn't have to, so that we could be spared and so that we could be redeemed and live with you forever in eternity. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for the times when we have clung to our money and our time and our possessions as if we owned them, as if it didn't already all belong to you. Lord, you call us to follow you just as Christ called his disciples to leave everything behind and go and follow him. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for the ways that we have said we were following, but we've tried to drag along all of our stuff too. Help us, O oh Lord, to faithfully surrender completely. Let Jesus be Lord and to follow him 
wherever he leads us, and to recognize and practice that he already owns it all. Help us to give everything to him. All our money, all our time, all our thoughts, all our behaviors, our whole life. Let us be like the widow who gave everything we had to live on to the Lord so that he can take it and use it for your glory and to build your kingdom on earth. For it's in the name of our Lord Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you.